Good morning. Welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. I'm Tony Haggerty at a Haggerty 10 Twitter handle. You know that off by heart by now, or you should. And I'm joined today by Sean Martin at Sean Martin TCW. Sean's Twitter handle, which you also know off by heart. Good morning, Sean. How are you doing? Not bad, Tony. Are yourself? Yes, all right. Just, um, just we say it's Thursday, February the 9th. I, I think believe. I'm matching the wall behind you here. Yeah, I think you are, yes. <laughs> Just as well, you're not sitting here. Yeah, but there you have it. Now, before we go on to talk about Celtic, a few things happening, but we'll do the housekeeping first, Sean, won't we? And we'll say thank you to Seneca Medical Group. Seneca. The Celtic Way Morning Briefing is now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group, and Seneca are the number one hair transplant company in Europe, and they offer innovative hair restoration treatments. And you can find out a lot more about Seneca via the links in the description of this video and we say thank you to them sean now sean he's gone the transfer <laughs> tale that became a saga that became everything else george's jackamakis finally signed for atlanta united last night in the mls yep. and he posted up that he loved the Celtic supporters because they loved him and he was sad to go yada 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 but he's finally gone and he has, as the manager said, finally off the radar. Hi, <laughs> uh, he is. Um, he, that message was actually really, it was a really nice message. I did laugh, though, that it, it came out on his Instagram right enough, as Ange Postacoglu said, yes. it was before it actually got confirmed by either club. Uh, I had a wee chuckle at that. But his actual message, he kind of said, well, he said, well, difficult times arrived. It was an incredible journey. He said he loved and was loved by the incomparable, yes. amazing Celtic fans, and he thanked them all and says they'll be forever in his heart. So it was a really nice message, to be fair to him. It was a nice, uh, classic, yes. and a parting gesture. Uh, posted up alongside a video of his time at Celtic, I think, as well. Um, yes. So I know the way that he's, the way that he, for, for, right, all right, the way that he's handled it behind the scenes, maybe we don't know. But in terms of the way that he's handled the actual moment of his departure, I think he, he did well. And before I get into trouble from the boss man, there's a wee bit derelict in my duty there, Sean. <laughs> to read the strap line at the bottom. You know what I'm going to say, guys. Subscribe to the Celtic Way website for only £2 for two months for unlimited access to everything that's written on the site. And you can help us continue to produce top quality Celtic content covering a club like no other. Hit that button, subscribe button, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. We thank everybody that's done it. And if you're planning on doing it, just do it. Hit the button. You know what to do. Now, yes, George's Jack and Marcus. So I think the Celtic supporters, Sean, uh, loved the big guy. He was right. Mm -hmm. He was loved and uh, he loved them back in returning. I think a lot of Celtic supporters will be sad to see him go. You know, I was. I written extensively about what I thought would happen. It didn't come to fruition. And there's part of me still thinks that it could have been solved, but he's gone now, so you have to move on. Onwards and upwards, O's in the building now, so mm -hmm. let's see what he brings to the table. But in terms of a legacy, Sean, he, he leaves with a, a good feeling amongst the Celtic supporters for his contribution last season and yep. helping Celtic win the league and League Cup double and coming in when Kyogo got injured and playing a huge part in the, you know, that, that title win. I'm thinking the hat-trick against Dundee, the comments after that, all that kind of thing that riled up certain people, but 
he just seemed to be a, a big guy who took it on his shoulders, the responsibility, and and uh, and backed it up with the goals and performances. He did that. As soon as Scotland comes in, saying uh, no Yakimakis, no title last season. Good luck to the big man. Shame he had to go, but the wagon rolls on. And I think that the first one, two, the first six words of that, seven words of that, are where I come down on it. I think that he was front and centre during the title running last season. And I've said this before, but it was in a way that was almost unquantifiable, even though he does the most quantifiable thing on a football park, which is put the, the ball in the back of the net. The reason I say it's unquantifiable is because he made it so that Kyogo Furuhashi wasn't really missed during that running all that much when you think about it, which I think is, is absolutely a testament to him and the way that he embraced, once he got fit and once he got around the team, the way that he embraced that role. It's not for everybody, to be honest, Tony. You can, and yeah. you know, I like my stats, and um, I do think that when you look at his player profile, he is replaceable in that sense. But there's also intangibles when it comes to playing for Celtic, especially playing as a Celtic striker, about the expectation, about the pressure that some players just can't rise to. He roasted it, he, he liked it, he thrived on it. So I suppose the ball's in O's court now as to whether he can grow into that or not. But in terms of Yakimakis himself, uh, himself that's what he'll be remembered for, I reckon. Um, <clears throat> the pivotal role that he played in that title win last season, rather than the way that it ended. A good player, a good finisher, a key role in a memorable title. Ultimately, a wee bit of a cult hero. No more, no less. That's the way that I would I would characterise it. Yeah, I would, I would, I would go along with that, Sean, as well. I, I, I was trying to flick the roller decks. So, yeah, favourite goal, Sean, of his, the one that you liked, or one that stands out for you? Favourite goal? Uh, probably. The, I mean, it's not, not the most flamboyant, but the, the Dundee United title clincher, I suppose, is the first one that comes to mind, just because it clinched the title. But um, the overhead kick, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, he had a couple you? of them, didn't he? <laughs> what be about fair, you? For a big guy, I, I was trying to think as well. I, his header against Dundee, that hat trick header, I, I was really impressed mm. by that. You know, because he, he came up trumps. I think there was about three or four minutes to go in that one, wasn't it? And it was a huge goal for Celtic at the time. Uh, I just, you know, he, he produced some big moments. He also scored in the Champions League against Shakhtar. So, he leaves with packing a lot of experience in his short time at the club. You know, and, and there's not many players that leave after a, such a short time and they go with the you know the good faith and the goodwill of the Celtic supporters. And I think a lot of people like yourself feel that yeah, he was a bit of a cult hero and he did the job when required. And uh, yeah, he was a, a good striker. Not a great striker, but a good striker. And uh, yeah, they'll, they'll be sad. They'll miss that that output. I think he was a, an, an old-fashioned centre-forward, wasn't he? He mm -hmm. dad, which he used to rumble them up at the back, that kind of thing, and get in about them and stuff like that. So, 4.20 somewhere, tear in my eyes, I sit my coffee from my GG cup. True story. Oh, well, it affects people in different ways, Sean. Morning, lads. <laughs> got my girl, got to see George Jack and Marcus go. Thought he'd more to give. And I thought so, too. And I, I'm, I'm sad to see him go, but you can't dwell on it, Sean. You have to move on. And... Uh, we have Gigi's overhead goal, kick goal against Mother was a highlight for me. Yeah, that was a brilliant goal as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah, overhead kick. Lots of people seeing the overhead kicks on the, the spectacular. Yeah. Jason Lee, I know it wasn't a goal, but I agree with Jason Lee. When he, when he started in the derby February 2nd yep. last year, he, put, he did put in a hell of a performance. I agree with that. He did everything bar score that night, didn't he? He did. A header in particular was brilliant. I say by McGregor. Uh, Derek Crawford asking me if I'm okay. Yep, I'm fine. I'm good. 
you know, I you accept it. Players come and go. It's part of it. Yeah. Jason Lee comes in saying Jackie Yakovakis was excellent for Celtic, but he was never going to replace Kyogo as number one striker. Does that but it comes down to for you, Tony? Yeah. He, he never was, was he? I no. think you and I have spoken about that extensively that in all the big games Kyogo got the nod, didn't he? Yeah, but if he was fit, aye, if he was Yeah, and uh, and I think that's also maybe what helps sway it in terms of Jackie Marcus exiting the building. George's Jackie Mash didn't get fit until the winter break, did well in Kyogo's Ashes, Andrew Galea. Yep, I, I don't think anybody... I, see, before it was a memorable title win and he played his part in that and he'll be fondly remembered for that, Sean. Ah, that, that's where it comes back to me as a, a cult hero, that kind of thing. Not yeah. not necessarily here long enough to advance beyond that status, maybe not even the game time to advance beyond that status, but he'll certainly be remembered in that regard. And, and it was a memorable title last year. It was an... Yeah. All right, at some stage it became expected, but at the beginning of the season, it, it, given what Ange Postecoglou inherited, it, it was an unexpected title. So to, to actually win it in that manner, losing your your star striker to injury on two in two significant spells, one that Yakimakis was fit for, one he wasn't, but that running one where he was fit, he, to, he totally took that man over. He was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can't deny that that he he was brilliant in that particular period. Statistically, Tony, right? And this is where this is where you see a lot of differentiation with people depending on the way they want to paint it. So I'll just give you straight down the middle, right? Um, you know how I like to convert the minutes played into actual full 90 so that it gives you more of an accurate thing because yeah. a lot of his appearances were as a sub in different things. And I see a lot of people throwing out that uh, X amount of goals and X amount of starts. That's only relevant if he scored all those goals in those starts to me. Um, so... 26 goals in 58 games in total, right? But it was just over 2,700 minutes played, so that's about 30 full 90s. So 26 goals in 30 full 90s, when you think about the actual time he spent on the park, is no mean feat, Tony. It's good. It's very good. Um, isn't it? If you want to split it into the actual goals that he got in starts, he started 22 times and scored 19 goals. So again, brilliant. Really, really good when he did start. Unfortunately, obviously for him, 36 sub-appearances, yeah. so most of his appearances were from the bench. He got seven goals in those appearances, um, which when you think of the minutes that he played, is actually not bad as well. So overall, it just feeds into that. When he played, he did tend to score. He was a good player for Celtic in that regard. He scored, he took the mantle of being a Celtic striker in that in that sense. I've got the XGs and stuff. I know you're not interested, but he, over, he, he performed about as expected from the chances that he got. But overall... Simply put, he scored goals when he was on the park, is, is the way that I, you could sum it up for everything I say. Yeah, that. indeed, then, as Greg Taylor would say, Greg Taylor would say that is prolific, isn't it? <laughs> and, and as I was fond of writing in any piece I did in Jarkimakis, feed the Greek and he will score. And mm-hmm. he did. So I think those stats back that up. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's quite startling, that statistic, statistically, isn't it? To be mm-hmm. fair, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're good numbers. Uh, no, definitely. I. I mean, I've got. I've got the. I suppose the next question is, where does it leave you? But he's already not been involved in the squad for about yeah, exactly. five games now. So you already you've got a glimpse of where it leaves you, and it, it leaves you with O filling that substitute striker void at the moment. Obviously, as time goes on, you're hoping he'll properly challenge Kyogo for for game time. But as it stands, that that's what it is. I've got the the, the old depth chart, Tony. That says I would no, wait. I would wait until Yakimakis left. <laughs> but, Tony, to me, I, that makes good reading. I, I don't know. I mean, 
when you look at two two players per position is what you're kind of aiming for a lot of the time. You've pretty much got that just now. You could make an argument a couple of players maybe of the rec- the requisite quality that kind of thing. Maybe Stephen Welsh. I'm looking at when I'm saying that Seagrest and Bain is the backups to Hart Hart in general. But overall, that, to me, it's it's good reading. Yeah, I like that depth chart. To be fair, I I'm I'm on board with that. I think there's real quality there, isn't there? Mm-hmm. And the ones in yellow that you highlight there, arguably, or well, maybe with Moy. You well, I I mean I the favoured starting eleven. You know, everybody will be different in their thinking. But uh, you know, I look at that. That's there's some real quality there, isn't there? Let's be honest. The one name that stands out is probably James McCarthy, really, in it. It's um, yeah. in terms yeah. of not really in any chance of getting a game time without a major injury crisis. The rest of the guys there, including Stephen Welsh, could get some game time. Um, maybe excluding Scott Bain as well. But as you suggest, uh, on Tuesday, goalkeepers are kind of an odd position when you come to consider yeah. game time. So, but And a lot of this, and I said this when I kind of wrote about the, the transfer window in general, a lot of this, the perception of Celtic's January transfer window will come from one, the players they lose compared to the players that come in, but more so how the players come in adapt and how quickly yeah. they adapt. But for me, that in a vacuum, looking at it, try to look at it objectively, I think that I think they still look in great shape. Um, yeah. it's it's streamlined in a way, but it's still just as strong. I don't I don't necessarily think they've weakened, and I know that's taking a leap that all will be able to fill that Jack and Marcus gap that maybe right now you can't say with certainty. But so far, Alistair Johnston's done well. Um, so the Juranovic thing. I mean, it doesn't look mm-hmm. as if he's been missed so far, and you've got one come before he needs to be at a Champions League level. And you, I mean, I know your opinion was that Juranovic didn't scale to the Champions League well enough. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, Johnston's not got maybe quite as long as much to, uh, maybe quite as big a, a gap to bridge before that's that's uh, that's complete. But what do you think, Tony? Is there any apart from McCarthy and Bain? Is there anything in there you're thinking? Bushy went. Oh, uh, he's got to go. That kind of thing. No, I'm I'm more I'm more erring on the positive side, Sean. I'm looking at the likes of Haksabanovic and Abada, Turnbull. Well, they've all got valid contributions to make moving forward. And we're interested to see how Haksabanovic would look if he gets a, a serious run of games. Celtic fans want to see more of Haksabanovic. I've liked the look of O to early make any kind of snap judgments on him, but I think there's the, the makings of a footballer there, and a very good footballer there from the Small sample size that we've seen. You could swap O'Reilly for Moy there at the minute, but yeah, that's, that's interchangeable, right? Iwata, again, small sample size, but seems to be that he can make a contribution. And we've spoken about this before that I think that's more of an eye on the Champions League next season. Yeah, with the two uh, sitters, as you say, we've spoken about that. So, yep, you know, Bernabe's did okay, he's blown hot and cold when he's come in for Taylor. But I think well, that's a couple. A couple of people here, Tony, have says um, uh, that's their problem position is that don't basically don't yeah. think Alexandro Bernabe is ready mm-hmm. if Taylor was to get injured. Uh, Derek Crawford, my big concern, Sean, is at left back if Taylor gets injured again. Um, yeah, yeah, that I still be think there's. Thing. I still think there's the raw tools there with Bernabe. I think he's still settling. I think I don't disagree that if Greg Taylor was to be out for like maybe a couple of months that. It really would be in the fire for for Benavy, and it would need to produce it. But I do think there's still the raw tools there, Tony. 
Yeah, I also think as well that I don't think the manager would be averse to putting Kobayashi at left back should anything happen to Taylor because he's naturally left sided. If he didn't trust Bernabe, mm. because he seems to favour Carl Cameron Carter Vickers and Starfield as his central defensive partnership, doesn't he? Yeah, at the moment, I at the moment I'm talking about so if anything what to happen to Taylor at. And I don't think I'd have a problem with that. I mean, I know Kobayashi's prim- primarily a centre-back, but if he's an actual left-sided player, then that wouldn't be a, a square peg in a round hole, if you get what I mean. That's... Uh, aye, I mean, it depends how he would adapt to coming into the midfield. And I know yeah. he's, good, he's good with the ball his feet, and that's partly why he's left-sided, left-centre-back, ball-playing, all that. It's still quite different going to left-back and then having to come in and do the inverted stuff. So it would be how he could do that, I suppose. But I think he would be more, and I would like to see him, if say that say the worst happened and Greg Taylor does get injured, I would want to see Bernabe get the running running the team um, and try and play plays went yeah. Yeah, so so would I, but I was just in case of talking about that the manager maybe doesn't trust him, but Derek Crawford saying Bernabe's not good enough, you know. Yeah, Bernabe's not very good as of yet, says Jason Lee. Well Andrew Galea more measured, he says he's doing okay, he is talented, um obviously scope for improvement there. And I'm gonna put up another Andrew comment, which is my, always my big takeaway for this actually is Andrew's comment in that squad there are players who can fill in other positions if required, lots of flexibility yeah. and I think that's, that's absolutely key because although I, I've obviously put this together you kind of need to make a, you need to pick a position you, it just gets muddled if you start putting them all over the place, you can do it but it does, it's, not, it's not sleek looking so I don't do it um, and ultimately when you're on the pitch you can only play the one position so for instance, up front there you've Kyogo and O pretty much they will only play through the middle but Everyone, apart from maybe Abada, he doesn't really play left. But the other wingers, Jota can play both, Maida can play both, Haksabanovic can play both, Forrest can play both. It's There's a lot of flexibility up front. Yeah. Midfield. Iwata is primarily really to play in that, that, that deep role, but he could move further forward if he wanted to. He can also move further yeah. back. McGregor can move about there. Hitati can switch either the, the left eight or the, the right eight. O'Reilly's already played deeper. Moy, I said at the time he was brought in, he would replace everybody and nobody because he can play all three. He's obviously been playing primarily better as an eight, but again, he can he can switch about there. And then at the back, the back, I mean, right, okay, it's specialist positions in terms of Johnston being a right a, a right back. He has played centre back Tony in a back three. I don't yeah. necessarily think that will happen. But ultimately, there's a lot of depth there in terms of even being able to cover it. All right, nobody can actually cover Cameron Carter Vickers getting injured. But beyond that, you've got Kobayashi and to compete with Starfield. Welsh will be floating about his back up to all of them, I would imagine. And then, all right, the left-back we've discussed. But there is a lot of flexibility, and that, that as much as anything, is what makes me think that is good reading. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and look at all of that, with the exception of McCarthy, everybody's fit, yep. aren't they? And I was well, McCarthy's back in training, he's just not going well, to get in his squad, I think. Okay. So. so everybody's fit, isn't it? Coming to the business end of the season, which the manager touched upon and that to me is gives a manager a wonderful headache it's his job to pick a start the living from that but lots of depth lots of flexibility there as we've, we've spoken about and just the fact that everybody's fit busting to go and ready to go and wanting to be part of you know a treble chasing team sean which is great yeah. training must be brilliant I'd like to uh, be part of that someday and just have a, a good look at that. But now you touched upon it there, and uh, 
you were talking about Cameron Carter-Vickers, which is a nice segue into... I spoke to Alan Stubbs about Cameron Carter-Vickers, and he spoke at length about him. He said some wonderful stuff. Now, he mentioned another player, Virgil van Dijk, and before everybody jumps on any kind of bandwagon, he's not comparing him to Virgil van Dijk. He's comparing the way that Cameron Carter-Vickers has adapted to Scottish football. Mm-hmm. The same way that Virgil van Dijk did, he tore it up for two years, and he says he sees similar traits in Cameron Carter-Vickers, that he's tearing it up, and he's looking every inch that an accomplished defender, Sean. And I know we laugh, I call him Cameron Carter-Vickers, eight, stroke <laughs> nine, but he does look very, very comfortable, and Stubbs was saying, the last time he saw a defender look as comfortable as Carter-Vickers was when van Dijk was there. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Are you... You're on board I do, with that, you? I do agree with it. I, I think um, I'm going to put up a, a comment here uh, from Pete G just to address it for you first, yeah. Tony. Let's not waste time debating Carmen Carter-Vickers versus Virgil van Dijk. As much as he rates CCV, Pete G says Virgil was different class, possibly the best centre-back in the world on his day. Now, to that, I won't actually respond myself. I'll put Plunge McNugget's comment up. Van Dijk wasn't world-class at Celtic, and I think that's 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 accurate. He wasn't world-class at Celtic, yeah. but he's absolutely strolled it up here. And yeah. that is the comparison, not necessarily... A direct who's better at this, who's better at that. Yeah, but yeah. The manner in which they have both adapted to Scottish football and, and the manner true. in which they make it see I mean, I mean, I've used it in the headline. It's an effortless invincibility almost that the yes. two of them just do not seem to be perturbed by anything that Scottish football could throw at them. Yeah. <clears throat> and that, that's the kind of comparison that Alan Stubbs was making. Right? That was a salient point I was trying to make. It wasn't a comparison of the two players, it was a, a comparison of how the two of them have adapted to Scottish football and how they have. St- Stole it. He was saying that they've made defending the art of defending look easy in Scottish football when everybody knows it's not. And he spoke about the art of defending and there's an art and how not to defend, Sean, which mm-hmm. he also spoke about, didn't he? And then it was, and the reason I did it was the statistic that you gave the other day uh, and you put it out on Twitter yep. about he's not lost a, a headed duel since Christmas Eve. Is that right? There's lost one. I lost one. one sorry, since lost Christmas one. Eve. Just, just one since Christmas Eve. Yeah. And even that, as somebody, as someone on Twitter pointed out, when you actually look at that one that Kyle Vassell beat him, it, it was kind of <laughs> off balance as well. So it was almost like, well, that's the only reason he won it. But so, uh, one one aerial duel lost since Christmas Eve in the league. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I don't so know on the back of that, that I wanted yeah. to speak to another accomplished Celtic defender on his thoughts about Cameron Carter Vickers. And, and he gave me his thoughts and he. I thought he spoke really, really well about him, Sean, to be fair. He did. Um, I think it was good value, Tony, aye, in my opinion. Interesting what he focused on as well, which was as much as we were saying that. And he obviously liked that start. He could tell he really, really yes. liked that start. But he never necessarily focused on the aerial prowess and specifics. It was more more so the kind of minutiae of the, what you can't measure. So, for instance, the, he used the fact that Cameron Carter-Vickers won eight out of eight aerial duels in the most recent Glasgow derby, right? But he, he, he pointed out that what made that impressive rather than just he won eight out of eight yeah. was the context of, for instance, dealing with Alfredo Morelos, who Stubbs kind of pointed out is one of those that rather than necessarily wanting to beat you to the ball, aerially he'll nudge you, he'll lean into you, he'll try and put you off, he'll disrupt you, he'll be aggressive. And a lot of players in Scotland will do that. So in that context, he was clearly really impressed that Carter Vickers still manages to win yes. so many with his timing, with his spring, which, I mean, I know he's six foot, right, which which is still tall, obviously, 
but it's about average, just under average for a for a centre back, which I think average is about six one. Which I think we've talked about before. Doesn't it matter if, if you've got the mm-hmm. timing and the, the intelligence and Stubbs goes into quite a bit of detail about that aspect of it, about the timing, and it's not a coincidence yeah. that he's in the positions that he's in and all of that kind of stuff. And naturally that brought him round to mentioning him in the same breath as Virgil van Dijk. Yeah, and that's what impresses me, Sean, or that's what I liked about that article you spoke about there, that it's that minutiae that Stubbs has been there, he's been that defender, very same, and, you know, appeared in that movie, and he's telling you that. These are, these are things that interest me. Now, as you say, you can focus about, oh, he won it out of headers, oh, that means he's great in the air, but he's telling you that there's guys pushing you, shoving you in your face, annoying you, Morelos is that type, to use that, that game alone. So I'm interested in that because you're hearing it from somebody who's put that jersey on and did the exact same things and played alongside another defender who I loved, Mark Reaper. Yeah. Before mm-hmm. said that Mark Reaper made him turn him into a player like that, you know. So and so when when Stubbs makes that comparison per se, or you no, know, he he notices that he, he's playing similar to the way Van Dyke played in Scottish football, mm-hmm. then you have to listen to that, don't you? I think so, aye. And Scott McGill comes in with a good point here, saying a lot of players come from the English Premier League to Scotland and find our game difficult. Cameron Carter-Vickers has done the complete opposite, seems to stroll it every week. For me, it's always come back to, like, first of all, just because you play in the English Premier League does not mean you're necessarily a better player a lot of the time, although sometimes it it does, admittedly. But if you make it to the English Premier League, you, you obviously have something. But coming up here, and you've Scott's right, you've seen it plenty of times, whether it's somebody that's a wee bit older or even somebody that's highly rated and it's a loan deal or whatever, that can't quite seem to adapt, whether it's the, the pace of the play, the physicality, whatever it is, a lot of it, to me, comes down to attitude. comes yeah. down to the attitude that you show when you come up here. And from day one, his attitude has been absolutely spot on, and that's another thing Alan Stubbs said about him. Yeah, and he also said this as well, Antonio's Varias saying, for me, Cameron Carter-Vickers and Kyle Mack are the two most critical players on the side. Well, that's funny you should say that because Stubbsy also said yeah. they were the two names on the team sheet, Sean, every week, aren't they? First two names on the team sheet. So we covered a lot of bases. I would urge you to go and read it, guys. It's, uh, it's a comments, yeah. yeah, you know, it's a, the way other players talk about CCV and the league tells its own story, says Derek Crawford. Yeah, you know, and... Um, very, <laughs> Just gonna say, Kaiser saying big Cameron carpet slippers, strolls games, smoking a pipe and a cogged jacket. I, I, I've got an image of Troy Hawk, you know, the Greeters Guild, uh, with a, the purple kind of jacket. Cameron Carter Vickers is standing at the back of the, the Celtic pack. But I, I think to the eye, to the naked eye, everybody's been impressed. You say with his attitude, it's been spot on, but just his all round performances have been commanding and it has looked effortless, and it's certainly not, you know, but he. He's, he's achieved a lot since he came here, Sean. You know, he's won the league in the League Cup. He scored the winner in a in a derby match. You know, he, he's regained his place in the uh, USA men's national team setup, and he's played in a World Cup finals match. And that's all on his Celtic forum, as you say, his attitude and application since he came north of the border. Because remember, he had six loan spells before mm-hmm. he came to Celtic. Celtic being his seventh, and he's found a kind of natural spiritual football home he's enjoying it and it shows and he does i mean i i'd hate to play against him because he's just unflappable as i've said many many times 
Peter Morrison saying he's a brilliant reader of the game. That's part of the that's part of the battle, isn't it? Because you can get. Yeah. I mean, not saying they're, they're ten a penny, but essentially they are a big lump that can head it and kick it. Is you can get them anywhere, really. Yeah. It's what Alan Stubbs is talking about. Is the the things that sometimes you can't measure it. It's, it's the positioning that you take up to avoid having to make a tackle to avoid yep. having to make a header. And I've always said that playing as a Celtic centre back is a position of responsibility that. All right, I'm just plucking ninety percent out there, right? But ninety percent of of centre backs will never experience that and will not know how to deal with it because there's only a, a select amount of teams in the world that put that amount of responsibility on their centre backs, where you're almost not there to defend first and foremost. You're there to help with build up. You're there to pass. You're there to anticipate danger before it, rather than actually actively just head it away and kick it away. And I mean, I said when Maurice Jens signed, and he he said that he, he modelled his game on Bonucci and, and Boateng ball-playing defenders, that he'd never really been in a position to, to show it. But by God, was he going to be in the position to show it to Celtic? Because that is primarily what you're there to do. Now, we've already spoke about Jensen, whether he showed that or whether he didn't. But Cameron Carter-Vickers has come in from day one, having realistically not played that before, not really, not with the loan spells that he had and the types of teams that he was at, and came in and adapted to it flawlessly. And also as well, and... and uh, there's some Stubbs didn't mention, but I actually think that he's brought a bit of intimidation factor back to the Celtic mm. defence, you know, which hasn't been seen since maybe Bobo. You know, and he's a far, far better footballer than Bobo was, but you know, just for the intimidation factor alone, Sean, it's you only want to mess with Cameron Carter Vickers, would you? No, no. I mean, De- Derek came in with, a, I don't know if I started it, but he came in with a. a, a, a a comment just saying, listen to how the other players speak about him, yes. whether it's rivals or whether it's Celtic players. And that, that goes for the, the Callum McGregors as well. Um, because, as I say, no matter what kind of... Uh, no matter what two players it is doing the teammates thing, every one of them, nobody has... As far as I'm happy to be proven wrong, but no one has picked anyone other than Callum McGregor when it comes to best trainer. Now, the way that Ange Postecoglou trains, presumably... There are plenty of players that you could pick, but nobody has ever not picked Callum McGregor for it. And rightfully, um, sorry, likewise, nobody ever doesn't pick Cameron Carter-Vickers as the strongest. And then you see him getting the armband when Callum McGregor goes out. I think a lot of people, myself included, thought naturally it would go to Joe Hart because he was getting it in games and different things here and there. The fact that Cameron Carter-Vickers got it spoke to his influence, but also spoke to the way the other players look up to him on the park as well. Yes, very much so. And the manager said that he was a different type of captain to Callum, didn't he? Mm-hmm. You know, yep. even though he might appear on the surface to be quiet or a quieter guy on the part, but uh, Patrick McLaughlin here saying he's like Paul Elliott and Jason Denier are all been to That play. is lofty praise, Tony, that one. <laughs> Let's not forget, Jason Denier was top-notch when he was at Celtic. Um, and yeah. obviously, Paul Elliott was, was different class in, a, in an era that maybe wasn't full of different class players, but... Yeah, Paul Elliott stood out for that very yeah. reason. Uh, and I I love Denier. I thought Denier was an excellent footballer yeah. as well and a very good defender. But yeah, I mean, so that, to go back to Pete McGee's original comment, I hope you don't think that's a waste of time, Pete McGee, but that, <laughs> that's why we did it. There's there's always method behind why we, why we do stuff. It, it wasn't a he's better than him type thing or a comparison. It was, you know, there was, there was method to it. So I hope We've done this a couple of times, Tony, where it's not necessarily always someone versus somebody else or anything, but yeah. um, 
getting I mean we we can give our own opinion, we can back it with data, we can say this, we can say that, we can quote Ange. But sometimes, and we've done this a couple of times now, it's good to get an opinion of someone who's been in a similar position. So for instance, Paul Lambert on Real Hatati. So it was what what a Champions yeah. League winner, what a former Celtic captain who played in midfield and adapted to the Champions League level and all that sees when he looks at Real Hatati's game, which is something different from what we're going to see. And this yeah. is a similar thing here. What a Celtic, a title winning, remember he won everything up with Celtic, Alan yeah. what a title winning Celtic defender who had to adapt coming up here to this game sees when he looks at Cameron Carter-Victor's playing. Yeah, and he just naturally ended up drawing a comparison with Virgil van Dijk, that's the way that it went. And it's, uh, the, it's the minutiae detail that we spoke about that I love and the fact that they're telling you because they're enlightening you and they're you know, expanding your knowledge. Uh, he said, the piece, the piece on the site this morning explains it better. So, yeah, correct. If you, I mean, if you're interested in that kind of thing, you want That's to That's always going to be the case. Where's yeah, two, because two, two guys better at the written word than the, the video stuff. So, it's no surprise yeah. it's better explained on the on the site. But, right. but you know what I mean? It's just, it's, uh, these things are, are interesting, I think, when you hear other Celtic players mm-hmm. or former Celtic players talking about present Celtic players. that and what they see, and that's that's the reason we do these kind of things. And you know, I, I say thank you to Alan Stubbs for giving me his time. He's a he's a cracking big guy, and he's uh, delighted that Sean Dice is now uh, in the fold, and he's hoping that he can steal them away from really the big big Evertonian, <laughs> like like huge Evertonian. <laughs> so, uh, he's his fingers crossed that that has a successful outcome for them. And Cameron Carter because he's a better defender than Van Dyke and more committed to Celtic's his plans, McNugget. Controversial, Sean? Maybe, but the commitment thing's maybe a good point because... The commitment thing, yeah, I'll give that. He's arrived at Celtic under vastly different circumstances in terms of couldn't really find a home down south, punted out on loan six, seven times, came through the ranks at Spurs but only ever really get played when they were rotating for the Europa League games or that kind of thing. And um, and he said himself when he signed for Celtic, now there would have been other interest because he was obviously uh, highly rated down south when he was younger, but... He said when he signed for Celtic that a big part of it was having found a somewhere to put down roots at home, yeah. that kind of thing. So I don't think that Pledge McNugget's been flippant. I do think there is an element of the commitment uh, being there with Cameron Carter Vickers, and I think Van Dyke was always is kind of was always kind of destined to go down south. But I, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. He's also a wee bit a wee bit older, got to remember, um, twenty four to five. So. Derek Crawford comes in and says, "Not a dig, guy. Sorry, we just mean so good. Listen, we don't take it as a dig. Everybody's we." You see, we put up all sorts of comments from you guys who, who yep. are good enough to comment, so we're, we're not afraid to put up ones that, even if they were digs, we'll, we'll address them. But no, no, Derek, it's all good. We, um, we're I'm going to put up just, just, quickly, just quickly, Tony. Um, Derek had asked as well, do we know anything about Atlanta United? Will Yakimak is the first choice there, Sean? He's a designated player contract, so he will be, like, he'll be played, I, he will be played. He'll have a good life over there, a good, good league to go in, good league to, he'll probably thrive in it. Um, and of the, um, of the MLS fan bases, Atlanta United are, are right up there. But obviously, being hell of a biased on this show, we, we obviously see it as a step down in terms of basically everything. But uh, but good luck to him, and I, he, will be, he will be first choice, Derek. <laughs> Kaiser, can we swear, Tony? No, that's a total negative... Well, you can swear in the comments. We just can't put the comments. <laughs> up, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. Indeed, 
Sorry, just just to put that in 420, saying, Sean, any ideas when those A3 prints of Carl McGregor are getting sent out? Uh, I think it's in about a week's time. We were aiming yeah, for the month, February, so we're aiming yeah. for the 16th, I think, is what the, 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 aim, the, the date was. But I'll ask, uh, I'll certainly ask Frankie to, to confirm it. But either, the, don't, don't fret, don't fret. Now, Celtic play St. Merlin in the Scottish Cup on Saturday evening, Sean, half past five kickoff. We'll preview yep. that in depth tomorrow, yeah? Yep. We'll Usual try fret, uh, predictions, preview, <laughs> selection, <laughs> quandaries, all the rest of it. Um, Does that depth uh, charts get anything to go by then? The selections of the 11s will be will be uh, fun, and I encourage you guys to do. It. We do it every game, so I encourage you guys to put your own team in, in the comments when we address that tomorrow or whenever. I think tomorrow we'll address that. Yeah. Yep. Bye. I don't see why not. I think that will be the that will be the the main thrust of it. The more of the three of us. I think Aiden's back on as well. So Aiden back tomorrow. Shaft to give his uh, his Shaft. <laughs> and speaking of Shaft, guys, I says George is talking about as well. Don't know Ella. Shaft for, for his cheek for asking for games. <laughs> there you go. Derek Crawford comes back in. Brilliant boys. Have a fantastic Thursday, everyone. Thanks for that, I'll Derek. Just- before we wrap up, Tony, I've just I'd, I'd favourited this one, which we're not going to go into depth about because <clears throat> we kind of spoke about it, but I'm going to link it up. Andrew Galea says, do we let Aaron Moy play out his contract or do Celtic give him an extension now? Now, we kind of touched on that the other day, but Aidan wrote a newsletter that, that addresses it, so I'm going to put the link to that in, Andrew, and you can get that away read and see what you think of Aidan's assessment of it and then come back tomorrow and give him pelters. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like giving young Aiden pelters, especially when he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> so good, Aiden, if you're watching. Top man, speak to you soon. Now, that's, uh, I think that's our wrap for today, isn't it, Sean? Do you reckon that's a good way to yep, end? Yeah, I, I think that's plenty. We enjoyed that, guys. We were talking about the other day, that's plenty. Leave <laughs> them wanting more and all that kind of stuff. They'll just direct you to the ticker tape running along the bottom. Subscribe to the Celtic Way. It'll cost you... What will it cost you again? I'm trying to remember. Two pounds for two months. months. Yes, uh, that's the deal that we've currently got. It changes all the time. Two pounds for two months, covering a club like no other. You know that we try and produce top quality Celtic content. You, you say it changes all the time, Tony. It changes tomorrow, and let's let me just say what a deal oh, yeah. is going to be tomorrow. What what an offer! Uh, what uh, an uh, offer. Yeah, new subscribers or uh, um, just uh, well, we're, uh, we're faithful subscribers. You want to be in this tomorrow, don't you, Sean? Aye, I mean, if you don't subscribe, you'll probably want to subscribe tomorrow for this. But if you are an existing subscriber, you're still going to be have a, you'll still have a chance anyway. So, aye, yeah, it'll, it'll be indeed, we'll explain more tomorrow. But click of a button, guys: www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Thanks, guys, for your comments. We we do love it. We enjoy the interaction. We see it all the time. We built a wonderful community on the. Celtic Way morning briefing and yeah, it's uh, we it's a privilege and an honour to do this and speak to you every day and we, we can't do it without you. We love Andrew, that 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 yes. is the that's the that's the aim. Not just for you to sit and listen to us to grab it on, but to get involved for you to have your WeChats and we'll drag things up onto the screen when when you do and all that kind of thing. So I good that you enjoy it. And uh, yeah, and it, it it thrills us and delights us that you enjoy it, uh, to be fair and uh, yeah, have a Fantastic Thursday. We'll see you on Friday. But before we go, just direct you to our sponsors. Celtic Way Morning Briefing, now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group. And Seneca, the number one hair transplant company in Europe, 
and they offer innovative hair restoration treatments. And you can find out more about Seneca via the links in the description of the video. So we say thank you to them. Cheers, guys. See you tomorrow. We'll try and pick an 11. The Ange Postacogo for the day. Oh, dear. Can only go one way. <laughs> Cheers, Tony. Cheers, guys.